This is the Macworld Podcast, episode 547 for February 22nd, 2017. Dear listeners, welcome back to the Macworld Podcast. It hadn't. It has been another week. This is how it works, in case you were unaware. Time goes forward. Uh, there's nothing we can do about it. Even when we want to, time advances and seven days have passed. As a wise man once sang, time keeps on slipping, slipping, slipping into the future. Isn't it uh, time flies like an arrow, fruit flies like a banana? Ah. Uh... <laughs> <laughs> well... That's fruit flies like everything. Fruit fly. I think for who said that? They're the most uh, agreeable I, uh, insect. Just by the way, I'm Glad Fleischman, a senior contributor to Macworld, and that other voice you hear is my co-host Susie Oaks, the executive director. Executive director. Sorry, executive editor. You can be the executive director too. You of can Mac give me World. a promotion if you want. That's fine. The Zarina of the world, Susie Oaks. <laughs> All hail. All hail, Hypno Susie. Um, we're back. We're here. I did get it's- older since we last spoke, so I feel like I'm, you know, wiser and more capable and deserve extra veneration. Oh my gosh. Well, there you go. Congratulations. Thank you. We survive. Getting older. It's the best. There's, there's no choice. There's uh, the original, uh, the first of the Dirk Gently books uh, written by Douglas Adams. This is his post-Hitchhiker's Guide thing. It's not necessarily a great book. I kind of love it. They're sort of a mess, but there's some very funny things about um, people being upset about the direction in which time flows. So I like that. Sort of. People will correct me. Send us email. People do send email. What was the thing I said? I said something uh, the other day, and I got a correction about it, and I, I, um, I can't remember what it is now. If it comes to me, I'll say <laughs> later. I, I refuse to correct it. It was somebody said, "Well, no, it doesn't work this way." I said, "You're not trying hard enough." I was kidding, but I can't remember what it was. Well, who knows? We do have follow up that I remember because I took notes, Susie. Good job. Follow up. Um, AT and T following on Verizon's. Uh, reasonably priced, let's say, unlimited data offer that includes 10 gigabytes of tethering. Uh, so I think it's 100 bucks for one line, 140 for two, and it goes up from there with big discounts. AT&T has said, we're going to go unlimited, but with a terrible plan that nobody should sign up for. Hooray, AT&T. <laughs> <sighs> you're an AT&T customer, right? You, you stayed on. Did you? And you said you finally got off the grandfathering, but you're... I finally got off the grandfathered unlimited plan right. that I'd had since... 2008 Aww. and I'm on one of those mobile share plans and it's 50 bucks a line. I've got three lines and my bill is now nice and calm because it was, we were getting a lot of surcharges on our old plans. Yeah. So this would be more expensive for you because uh, with three lines, it's $180 from AT&T and no tethering. This is the thing that's astonishing to me. Tethering was one of the things that made me switch. <sighs> I was well, sick of not being able to tether. Don't go back. If you have tethering and you're like, oh, I never use it. Don't go back. If two I don't times put, a year you need it and it's infuriating to not be able to do it. Yeah. And I don't put cellular access on my uh, iPads. I sometimes buy Wi-Fi. Well, actually I shouldn't say it. I usually buy a an iPad. I think I've only bought iPads with cellular access, so I have an option to sell it because you really, I mean, you can sell Wi Fi. It Wi-Fi does help only. the resale value. Yeah, yes. it's worth the whatever, still $130 it's premium. It's bucks upcharge, though. And if <clears throat> yeah. you don't need it, I mean, you know, you could get a, if, if I was choosing between an iPad with more storage and an iPad with cellular, and I, you know, I could only spend the $100 on one of those things, I would pick the storage. And, and just tether it well, if that's, I had to. That's the tethering issue, right? I know a lot of people who have an iPad and either they, so I don't have any cell plans uh, or uh, any iPad cell plans. 
because um, even though I think at AT&T with my current plan is at 10 or $20 a month, they could add it, but I don't use it enough to make any sense for that. I'm yeah. on Wi-Fi. I'm at home. If I take it with me, I have my iPhone with me. So, so AT&T, the deal is it's, um, it's sort of matching Verizon. I think it's uh, I think it's a hundred, 140, 180, 220. Oh no, I'm sorry. It's more expensive as you go up. And the deal is after two months, they'll rebate you 40 bucks a month back if you do a four-line plan, so you're paying up front for uh, for two uh, two hundred twenty dollars for two months, and then you start getting this rebate. So all around, it's it does not feel competitive with Verizon. So I assume they're relying on inertia. Um, they may also have the numbers that people are not using tethering as much as maybe you and I are. Um, maybe it's a very small subset or or a big enough subset that it makes sense for them to switch over to a no tether plan where they have uh, more income from people than the mobile share plans. But I don't know. I think they just want to be able to say they have an unlimited plan. And some people just want to like think that, you know, their plan is unlimited, but it, it, you're right. It's not a great plan. I bet this revises because I mean, what does it cost them to offer 10 gigabytes like Verizon does of tethering? It does not really impact the system. And 10 gigs is not enough that you suddenly switch from broadband, uh, wired broadband to AT&T because you run out of, you know, bandwidth really fast. You use, yeah. If you have 10 gigabytes, you it's enough to do real work on the road when you have no other solution, but it's not enough to be like your streaming alternative. Uh, so I just find the whole thing a little, little baffling. The other thing is if the, the, the uh, AT&T plan like Verizon, and I believe the way T-Mobile structures theirs, is uh, got a 22 gigabyte capacity limit. So they deprioritize packets as we were talking last week. If you're on a congested node, you are the low person on the totem pole in terms of getting throughput above like a 4G rate, I think. So you're going right. to get okay speed, but not great speed unless nobody else needs the bytes you need, right? So that's cool. But the uh, related, but I think related to that is like if I'm at home and I'm in a place at night that is not in heavy cell usage, I could ostensibly be streaming Netflix on my phone, on my unlimited plan, and using AirPlay to an Apple TV. So in what way, unless they're disabling AirPlay, which they aren't, the uh, no tethering thing doesn't really meet uh, why I think they're doing it. I mean, it just seems frustrating to me. Yeah, and like having unlimited data with AT&T seems less important because they have that rollover. So if you get enough data and then you start rolling over your unused data... You know, I feel like I have unlimited data, even though I don't. And I, and I have tethering, and I'm paying less than this. So, you know, don't don't get swayed by just, like, the word unlimited. Like, really do the shopping. And AT&T, um, to their credit, uh, when I was deciding to switch plans, they had um, really helpful, very easy to find and easy to use graphs showing how much uh, data my family and I had been using over the last six months. Oh, that's great. Um, yeah. So, so yeah. See, we see what you really use, and then and then decide. Well, I think I've mentioned before. My wife and I dropped down to a three gig shared plan, which sounds like almost nothing. But we were looking at our data data usage under. I think we had a sixteen gigabyte plan before AT and T did the last uh, price adjustment a few months ago, where they uh, sort of downshifted the cost of a bunch of stuff. And we were using like you know a couple gigs a month, and with the rollover that helps. So we're paying. I want to say hundred in. $100 a month for two lines and three gigs of data all in. And uh, I think that includes tax even. So, um, and then we're paying a few bucks a month for her uh, paying off her iPhone SE over 30 months, I guess. So anyhow, I, I think. Enjoy it now because pretty soon your kids are going to get on this, uh, uh, get involved here and then 
forget it. I know, I know. Well, then, you, yeah, then we go into the additional line thing, and uh, I, you know, I'd rather get them prepaid, but I don't think that's going to be exactly the right thing. So we're going to figure it out. Um, hey, let's move on to another bit of follow up. This is kind of a general follow up. Twitter introduced a new policy for dealing with abuse, and um, we, I think, it may have come out before our last podcast. So I just wanted to highlight it because we've talked a lot about uh, Twitter over the years. And uh, I'm a heavy Twitter user. I don't know if you're aware of that. I have noticed you on Twitter. Uh, okay. You do like the Twitter. I do. I do like the Twitter. I, try, I, I do too. I do too. I was just thinking the other day, like how many cool things I've been exposed to, like through Twitter, like just, you know, different writers and different um, viewpoints that uh, I didn't know about. So yeah, it's all out there. Yeah. I've been following a lot of new people who um, I was not that political on Twitter before. Unlike like a lot of people. And so when I see people who express uh, unique, interesting political viewpoints, often of which do not exactly comport with my own in every way, I break out of my bubble and I subscribe to them. I follow them. And then I'm suddenly exposed to a universe of people. They retweet. I'm like, mm-hmm. oh, I'm getting more insight into the world at large. So that's been my strategy to make sure I feel like I'm not talking, you know, just talking yeah. at and with people who have exactly the same opinions. And it's good. Sometimes it's infuriating, and that's good, too. But I understand better uh, how people are thinking. Good to break out of your bubble. Uh, there are angry people everywhere across. The, the political spectrum uh, is populated with angry people. Let's just remember that. It's not uh, not only located on one place. Uh, you're, were you a Futurama fan? I can't remember. You were not, right? No. Well, <laughs> well then, there was an episode. I like Futurama. I just never really watched it. Well, there's an episode <laughs> in the in the, the neutral planet, the Neutralians, and uh, and. Uh, Buzz, who is the uh, head of uh, Dupe, the uh, the uh, Federation analog there, he didn't trust the Neutralians. You never know where they stand. So, I was, you know, neutral people. What a thing. Twitter, by the way, Twitter anyway. Yeah, what's the new policy? New policy. So, what they're doing instead of they've had they've been adding different kinds of blocking, suspension, temporary suspension policies over the years, and uh, they did a big wave a few months ago in which they permanently suspended a permanently banned a number of people they suspended others you have to delete if you get a certain kind of suspension it'll say hey uh this tweet was reported it violates our guidelines but it's not you know the death penalty here you have to delete this tweet or these tweets before your account will be reactivated which infuriates people and some choose not to and thus their account remains suspended forever uh, and some people do and will complain but i was forced to delete a tweet or whatever so this new policy is interesting we don't know how they're putting it into effect but it's more like a pause button. So if you, I guess if you get a tweet or tweets reported that cross some line, but not a big line, Twitter will uh, essentially give you like a 12 hour timeout and you can still tweet, but your tweets are not searchable in global Twitter. If you at mention people who aren't following you, they don't see them. It doesn't show up in their timeline, but everyone That's who, huge right there. Everyone who follows you continues to see your tweets. So yeah. it's more you're not like suspended, but you're kind of in a bubble where your your fallout is sort of limited right. to only the people who are following you. They take away your megaphone and they give you a kazoo or something. Yes. Um, and and so you know, and so people I've I was looking, what's interesting is it was not all say again, people on the on one side of the political spectrum, people complaining about having been uh, sort of uh, timed out in this way where people across a political spectrum. So however they're enforcing it, they're not saying, you know, if you say something against Donald Trump, you're going to be timed out. Uh, if you say something um, against, um, I don't know, 
I don't want to give the other. I'm not sure what the other example is. If you say something uh, anti-religious against Justin a certain Trudeau, faith, Justin Trudeau, don't you dare. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> so it's so it's. Uh, I saw a selection of people who are uh, making. It seemed to be a lot of political people who were doing harassing things up were not posting as king. I, I got suspended because I told someone when they were a bleep. Um, but it was more actually political stuff. So, the, you know, the downside is if you express, express uh, extreme legitimate political opinions that are not harassment and Twitter decides to encompass those. So anybody tweeting at, say, President Trump or, uh, you know, um, who's a good person on the other side. I can who I don't know what uh, uh, Nancy Pelosi, let's say. I think someone did actually tweet something at her that got them timed out. Um if it's if this is kind of a calming thing so that politicians no longer get um extreme response from voters, that's one thing. But I think it's uh it seems to be part of a general trend to be able to reduce the asymmetrical power people have of using Twitter as a platform for abuse and harassment or even just persistence and whatever. The one thing it doesn't really fix, though, is, um, and I know like they have other tools that they, they use on this, but um, Twitter's had a problem before of, so if these people who are kind of on timeout can still talk to their followers, mm -hmm. they could still, you know, encourage a pile on. And then Twitter would have to, you know, put each of these those people in a bubble, like automatically. I mean, you know, one individually. Right, right. So, so, so it doesn't fix everything, but it is. I'm, I'm glad to see them experimenting with different methods, and I think that this would be applicable to like some situations, like you mentioned. It'll be interesting to see if it makes things better, but it's subtle enough. I don't know if we'll notice or not. Um, but I report tweets, and I get um, sometimes people say horrible things to me and other people that are clearly beyond the limits of. Um, civility twitter's rules and possibly the law and i will report those and uh if you report it in a certain way twitter follows up with you um if you i forget there's certain things they're like yes you know we got the report thanks and others are we're opening a case and here's a number and i have gotten email that they you know this account's been suspended or this account has been banned and um, every single time i've gotten a follow-up it's been like no that was fine oh uh, well i that was no the way it was for a long broken. time I'm just like oh you're the worst i think they beat people down because it was that way for a long time and then all of a sudden starting some point last year i started to get some uh, you know like i still wanted... report them i've just never gotten a satisfying <sighs> resolution well obviously they're they're in, <laughs> in on the fix um yeah the uh the related part is that twitter is going to try to stop people from having uh like people have been banned from having serial accounts so uh, there's some notable trolls there's this one guy i won't mention his name even who was banned and then he did a series of like i think seven additional accounts each one was, was reported and banned and they're apparently um putting more um, you know, cause they're like, I'm clever. I'm just going to start a new account. It's like, no, whatever. But there, but there's definitely, I know, uh, people have been stalked on Twitter and they've been unable to, to just report. This is a serial account. It's so-and-so you can see in their bio. It's so-and-so. And this account of theirs was banned permanently and they've opened another one. Twitter's apparently working on doing that as well. Um, on another part of abuse, <clears throat> am I speaking too clear to, um, Bluntly, uh, Mac Keeper. We have Vic's feelings about Mac Keeper at MacWorld. Um, we don't think the program is useful. It has a bad history. Uh, they've had to do settlements and so forth. It's owned by different people now than during the days we had the most problems with it and that they had the most uh, uh, regulatory issues. Um, but we don't recommend Mac Keeper partly because it gets bundled with um, like adware installers. So it's often installed without your knowledge. Um, and it's very difficult to, to uninstall permanently. So... Um, we, uh, you guys, you folks at MacWorld, the uh, staff, 
updated two different articles about how to uninstall MacKeeper because it's that insidious. You have to have two articles to remove it, Susie. Yeah, so I think um, Roman went back and updated them both recently because MacKeeper kind of popped up in the news. There was a story on Valentine's Day, the most romantic day for security stories, um, from IDG News Service that said uh, the same, the very same Russian cyber spies that some are blaming for U.S. election hacks were targeting or are targeting Max, um, and yeah, it, it was the first. They found the first um, researchers from Bitdefender found the first um, Trojan, the first macOS version of a Trojan that they've been they've been using, and the way that it worked, it was called Complex. And the way that it works is to exploit a known vulnerability in MacKeeper. So, I mean, we uh, all knew MacKeeper okay. was not something you wanted on your Mac. It turns out that it's also vulnerable to attack. So, besides Hooray. it just being a piece of crap, like just get it off your Mac. It's like it's like the new Flash. You <sighs> yeah, really you don't want get, it, and you're less safe if you have it. I only see uh, ads for it, which still do pop up ads that you have to like when you try to close. Will say. Uh, you have something like if you leave this page, you'll leave something open or something. I forget the message. It's this weird thing where really? uh. it, it, if you pre-fill a form field uh, and it hasn't been submitted, I think when oh, you try yeah. to close that. Yeah. So it's a scammy ad techniques. And I think Matt Keeper has an affiliate program. So they always claim it's, you know, some other company. Yeah, they used to. They, like they, they say that they've cleaned it up and it's easier to uninstall and they've tried to, you know, kick out all the affiliates and like change the affiliate program and kick out the bad actors. And they, they keep saying they've cleaned it up. But even if it's even if you go like straight to MacKeeper and, and download it like right from them, like a new version, it's got a terrible like pricing scheme. You're paying for a bunch of stuff that you don't need that like your Mac has on it already. And it's just bad software. It's hard like, to I, uninstall. I, I, That's yeah, the thing. Yeah, so if, I, when I was trying to install it so I could uninstall it and update that article, I was like, oh, I'll just poke around and like see what it does. The first thing I did was like I you know, hit a scan, and it started deleting language files without asking me if I wanted to delete the language files, and I didn't want to delete the language files, uh, and I got really mad at it. And I was like chatting with one of their people being like, hey – why didn't it ask me? Like, this is an issue. And yeah, they were yeah. like, oh, no, no, that's ex expected behavior. Like, you don't need any of that. And they were just, you know, kind of patting me on the head and being all, like, patronizing. Like, oh, silly lady. Like, why do you need language files? You don't know anything about computers. And I was just like, okay, oh, now, now I'm going to write an article that's going to come up first in Google every time you, like, Google MacKeeper. And it's going to talk all about how you are horrible. There you go. Well, it's a good <laughs> – we get <laughs> – so when we Oof. saw that when we saw that news article, we were just like, "Oh yeah, vulnerability. Let's uh, go ahead and update those articles about how to well, get rid of MacKeeper." It uh, it goes in waves too in terms of the Mac nine one one email where we get uh, questions about how to remove it, and I can tell when something's going on, like an ad push, or they update the software because I'll suddenly get a wave of people asking and, you know, point them to the articles, but uh, I think it's good to keep these up to date. And it's unfortunate. There's no other, there's no like number two Mac keeper out there where I ever get queries about how to remove it. I think the closest thing was snaps pro a screen capture utility. And it wasn't because it was malware. It's because there was something incompatible with Mac OS Sierra that made it hard to remove. It uses a bunch of, it has to kind of shim itself into the system to do screen captures. Uh, so we ran a Mac 911 about uh, the details of removing it completely. And uh, I believe after that, a version was updated that is uh, more Mac OS Sierra friendly. 
However, that was not malware. Not malware. That was not adware. It's, they don't charge you. It was just you know, it was an old version that that couldn't easily be removed. So yeah. So Matt even Keeper, like current legit versions that aren't trying to like you know be malware, like they're still like they're just bad. It's in a category by itself. That's not a good thing. Yeah. Uh, all right, moving on. That was our follow-up. Now we're into the future. <laughs> the present. There's a lot of FU this week. <laughs> uh, um, it reminds me, there's a satellite project. Uh, it's called GRACE, and it's uh, these two satellites that orbit the Earth chasing each other, and they measure very minute gravitational changes. It's been a big uh, tool for um, measuring displacement of water, basically, because like small perturbations in the Earth with the water moving around can get measured by these things. So the satellites are aging. They're actually well past their expiration date. And they planned a project to replace Grace. And the original project name was Grace Follow-Up. Then I guess somebody wrote out Grace F-U and said, we're changing that to Grace Follow-On. Um, Got to be careful about the initials. Speaking of initials, <laughs> speaking of initials, WWDC, the Worldwide Developer Conference that Apple runs every year for, surprisingly, developers, has, uh, the dates have been announced. Dates announced quite early compared to past uh, recent years, and it is going to be uh, it's going to be WWDC in San Jose. That's not WKRP in Cincinnati. Thank you, uh, San Jose, the traditional home. Let's pretend for many years of WWDC before it moved to San Francisco. And uh, when it moved to San Francisco, I think part of it was to get a little more attention. You know, San Jose is a far, long way away. San Francisco was kind of up, uh, I think it was 2004 was the first WWDC that happened there. Mm-hmm. And I think it was to get, you know, people like, hey, come to San Francisco. The company's coming back. It's All this cool stuff's happening. Then, of course, it kind of grew out of control. San Francisco had already been an expensive city. But, you know, I'd go to Macworld Conference and Expo in January, and I'd sometimes spend as little as $80 a night for a room. You can't find that anywhere anymore. No. And $80 a night was like Union Square. It wasn't, you know, the rooms were fine. I didn't really want to walk back and forth there at night, but it was fine. Yeah. And so people are reporting, you know, it's easy to not find anything below $350 a night, you know, during WWDC. Um, so, and it's hard, you know, getting in and out of San Francisco by BART is not bad, but you can't really drive in and out as easily, pay a lot for parking and it's a it's a mess. So San Jose might be might be easier. I don't know the parking situation there. I, I think. You know, yeah, parking's easy, and um, but you, you don't really. It's the hotel costs gonna be the same if you're in San Jose. It's not gonna be. It's not gonna be that much different. San Jose is a lot. It's been growing. It's the fastest growing city in the Bay Area. So it's and it's the biggest. You know, it's the the closest big city to Apple. Um, between San Fran, like San Jose is going to be bigger than San Francisco soon. Um, the downtown no. isn't oh, well, quite San Francisco as is tiny though, blown right? up. And, well, and San Francisco has no room to expand. Right, and it's not, and it's not building. And San Jose is San Jose building not, and expanding. San Jose was not dense. It was a, it was such a tr- yeah. it was tracked. When I lived in uh, my family left California in 1979. San Jose was almond orchards, and um, yeah. now not so much. Yeah, it's it's and it's it's awesome. I mean, I like San Jose a lot, and this is a good move for them. So yeah, the hotel rooms that are right by the convention center are not going to be that much of a deal. And I mean, I, I you know I read like I think it was John Gruber being like, oh like big fish, small pond in San Francisco, and it's and it's, it's going to be you know an even smaller pond in San Jose. I don't know. I don't think five thousand like convention attendees are going to you know take over downtown. 
But, you know, it, it's going to be a different scene. It's going to be a very different scene. Um, I'm happy to hear that some of the parties are moving down there. Um, the Loop is going to have their party down there. Oh, yeah, because um, We it's were a already trek. talking about not doing ours this year, so I think we're going to go ahead and not yeah. do it. It's a trek um, from San Jose, folks. If you haven't been to the Bay Area, San Jose to San Francisco is a trek, even when the traffic is, oh, yeah. is clear. And being at the conference in San Jose and then getting to San Francisco for a party, and then you're probably staying in San Jose. The one thing I'd say, and, and correct me if I'm wrong, the difference between San Jose and San Francisco. San Francisco is kind of in the middle. I mean, it's not in the middle of the Bay Area, but it's right at a point where it's a little hard to get in and out of. Um, San Jose, you could drive in, you could get a hotel or motel 30 minutes away, drive in in the morning, be there for, you know, 12 or 16 hours and drive back and get a pretty uh, much cheaper place to stay than if you were staying right in the heart of San Jose or San Francisco. Yeah, I guess. I mean, you know, I'd be surprised if, I'm always surprised if people like rent cars for these things, but, um, cause, and this, the hotel, the airport, the San Jose airport is lovely. It's so much better than SFO. It's cleaner. Right. It's newer. It's nicer. The, uh, Flights are on time, which is just shocking. If you fly in and out of SFO, That's nothing's absurd. ever on time. Yes. So you're going to enjoy that. And it's really like ridiculously close to downtown. Like you could take an Uber back and forth and it would be really cheap. That's good. So that's nice. Um, I, I don't think they have the, the, the train to but the airport is quite as good as in San Francisco. People but, rent cars because they want some flexibility. But if you right. can stay, I mean, I've gone to conferences in big cities where I have, you know, driven 20 minutes because I could get a place for, you know, 125 a night, 20 minutes away. That's perfectly fine and comes with, you know, free breakfast. And if I stayed in the city, it would well, be like 300. So right, with, well, that's in the what car, I was going to say. Yeah. In San Jose, um, renting a car might actually make more sense. Not because I would encourage you to stay further away. Um, you should probably try to stay as close to downtown as you can, but because um, you're going to need, uh, you're not going to need, but you're going to want, um, it would be really nice to like build a day in because yeah, you could, it would be really, really easy to drive to Cupertino. I know sometimes people build a day in on when WWC was in San Francisco and try to drive to Cupertino. It's a whole pilgrimage. It's going to be really easy this time. Um, and then you're also really close to like a lot of beautiful stuff in California. Like San Jose is only really an hour from Santa Cruz. Um, or you could even go further mm -hmm. down and like take it, you know, take a day or two and go down to Monterey or even all the way down to Big Sur. It's a lot closer to like some of that beautiful um, coastal stuff than than San Francisco is. So if you want, you know, um, if, if you're going to take a couple days and you need ideas, um, let me know on Twitter and I'll send you some links, but it's beautiful. And yeah, it's going to be easier to park. Um, it, you know, the, the, if the hotels, if you want, if you're near a convention center, um, the hotels are always going to charge you for parking, but in San Jose, it might be more like 20 bucks a night instead of like 40 bucks a night. Um, so oh, yeah. I mention, there's keep a that spot. in mind, you're really close to the airport. So you could always like not keep a car the whole time and then just like run out to the airport and rent a car for like the day that you need it. If you don't need it the whole time, keep that in mind too. So, I mean, Apple has a lot of folks interested in talking to developers, but everyone has to get work done too. So ostensibly, this is a way that more people can pop out from Cupertino and do things without making the trek to San Francisco. You know, it's just cheaper for the company. It's less expense on their part. They get more productivity and uh, and whatever. That's that's their deal. I mean, I think the thing is, San, like San Francisco has uh, you know storied bars and places people have gone year after year, and it's got divey places and super whatever. And San Jose, uh, not to talk down San Jose, I have not been there for years. Last time I was there, it was really on the way up, but it's all kind of new and sparkly. So uh, there's a lot of places to go, but I don't think it has that same level of grime that San Francisco has. You know, the bar has not been etched away with people carving at it for a hundred years. So you know, there's a little charm there. Yeah, it's going to be interesting to see um, what kind of, uh, if all 
if some or all of the counter programming is also going to move because, you know, they did like the layers conference and the, the alt conference originally alt WWC. There was a lot of stuff that was going on at the same time. Um, as yeah, I WWC if you didn't have, if you didn't, well, yeah, I mean, it's, it's like, gotta it, be two, it's like a two you hour can't round commute trip. back and forth. Yeah. yeah. No, I'm, I'm, I'm hours, not right. saying that you should commute back and forth. It's just going to be really interesting to see, you know, like if, if everything, if everything goes down there, or if some people are like, it's going to be hard. <laughs> Ugh, yeah, driving. Because driving. I mean, these things are these things are you know I, I think that's why Apple announced it so early. They could have just tapped all those people on the shoulder, but it was very fair of them to say, look, we're going to move it now. R- you know, you have to do Caltrain from San Jose, also, right? Yes, so Bart doesn't Bart. go down there. Yeah, yeah. Bart so that's another. So Bart, Bart is great, but it's farther farther south part of Bart is past SFO now, but not far, like one stop or something. Yeah, you can Daily transfer. City? You can transfer from from Bart to Caltrain and Millbrae, or Millbrae. Um, or if you're going to the East Bay, you can take it out to uh, Blanking, and you can transfer up on the East Bay side All too. Right. Well, this has been the Transit Talk from Susie, <laughs> but uh, no, it'll be it'll be interesting. I, I mean, I haven't gone for years because I never attended as a developer, and uh, they used to do. Uh, I mean, they still do a keynote thing and I'd go down, I'd get it. Uh, I don't, Apple doesn't invite me to stuff anymore. It's very sad. Um, I'm going to cry, but, um, I, that was back when I was writing a lot for the Seattle times I had a column there, uh, on the Mac. And so I think I got invited under those credentials. So, um, but I would go down to WWDC for the day. I once flew down on an early flight, got off the plane onto Bart, walked off Bart, uh, and went to Moscone West and met one of the Apple PR people I knew. And he said, Hey, when'd you get here? I said, uh, 60 minutes, you know, 80 minutes ago. And he's like, what? And I got there. It was just perfect timing. Walked in. It was great. Flew out that night. It was terrific. But Nice. Uh, all right. Wait, we've got a couple other stories we're going to get to here. One of them is um, we'll, we'll cover briefly and then on to iPad and iPhone stuff. Comcast is doing a big upgrade on its apps for its Xfinity system, um, which is uh, interesting given the status of Apple TV and streaming and uh, partnerships and single sign-on and all of that. So this is going to be, uh, I think it's coming, uh, what they say, in just a few days is my recollection. Um, isn't it later this month? I can't find their date now. Yeah, February 28th, um, be able to download it. So that's just a week away. And um, the, I think it's going to be, it's going to give people who are Xfinity subscribers more access to programming and features they have on mobile devices. Um, including DVR features and yeah, on you demand. you can watch everything you have on your DVR. Yes. Yeah, um, stream it or download it to the device, which is pretty nice. This is an iOS and Android app. Yeah, it's. I mean, it's good. It's sort of. It's not a cord cutting thing because you have to have an Xfinity right. subscription. So this isn't Xfinity to go. It's Xfinity wired, and uh, this is an option for you. But it, you know, it's getting confusing. We've talked about this a lot. It's. Uh, this one will give you, because you've got a terrestrial, well, not terrestrial, because you have a cable subscription, uh, you'll be able to access all the programming from what I'm reading here. So I haven't seen anything yeah. that said it's excluded. And that's not true. Like none of the um, bun- unbundled and other services, I believe, can uh, achieve the same quantity of channel availability as Xfinity can. Um, so it's an interesting issue. I'm wondering if outside the Xfinity area, if they'll off, start offering it. And there's a bunch of, I mean, this is where we're kind of at the inflection point. Like what is Comcast? Are they a cable provider? Not really. They're a, you know, internet provider that happens to run different kinds of things over wire. 
Yeah. And um, this unstaples it a little more. And at some point, it's like they, you know, they, they make a huge margin by selling cable as a separate provisioned thing. Um, it's got a big markup. And uh, they don't want to lose it. But at some point, there'll be some transition where you just pay like one fee. <laughs> it's going to be everything. And you don't really care yeah. how it's delivered. Well, yeah, and I think that, you know, they can keep selling cable to people that want it, you know, just connected right to the TV and they don't really care about carrying it around. But, I mean, an app like this would be really great if they could, you know, follow the HBO Now um, model and keep the, you know, terrestrial cable subscription uh, available, but then also just sell logins to like only the digital product. Yeah. Um, I mean, that would require like tons of negotiations with all the people actually providing this content, but like Comcast is owned by, you know, NBC and just follow it up the chain. Like <laughs> even if they started with just the stuff that, you know, is owned by the same parent company, that would be, that would be huge. So yeah, I mean, that, that that's kind of what I'm hoping for now at first it was, you know, everyone wanted like a, a completely a la carte, like cable, you know, subscription where you could pick and choose the, the channels you wanted. It looks like that's not really going to happen because of the way they make their money through, you know, right. these bundling things. So now it's just like, now I just don't want the, the cable part. I just want to be able to, um, to, to buy a login. So, uh, um, packages like PlayStation view and sling, um, are, are getting more and more attractive and, and Comcast could, could compete with those very easily if they just, uh, convinced their provider to let them just sell a digital login. Like, yeah. you know, give me the login without the cable. That's all I want. Yep. This reminds me of when, uh, my wife has a story about, um, going with her best friend, uh, in college to the Moosewood, um, uh, restaurant in Ithaca where she was going to school. And uh, her par- this friend's parents were in town, so they were taken out to Moosewood, which is a vegetarian restaurant. And her father's looking at the menu and says, um, I'll have the veggie burger, but hold the veggies. I just want the burger. <laughs> that's that's the Comcast arrangement, right? We just want the exactly. cable. We don't want the, we don't Where's want the, the beef? We want, we want the programming. We don't want this cable subscription thing. Just give us TV show. Where's the beef? The cable. I just want the Raging cable ourselves. TV oh, without the cable. I miss which my you can get from other people, but you know, Comcast, I'm sure, could really compete in that space. I got to tell you, it's a sign of my age that when this WWDC announcement came out, by the way, that I didn't see all kinds of people making jokes about, do you know the way to say? I was waiting for you to like do that. La, 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 Yeah. My mom was driving. You can take the 101 or the 280 or the 680 or the 880. Is this the Californian sketch? I was, my mom, when I was a kid, we were driving to San Jose to meet somebody from Fremont where I grew up until I was double digits and um my mom got lost and we were like okay you really don't know the way to san jose mom and that's what we said i love to my mother she was a wonderful person but we did joke about her the south bay traffic is no joke man i no think traffic. it's worse than cows. it is up here Susie, this was i mean like now yeah no now it's like we ridiculous complain, we complained about the traffic in 1978 also by the way but it was like all these almond trees and cows and farmland it's getting in our way well, I feel like here everybody's just trying to get into San Francisco. So like the traffic is pretty predictable. Oh, yeah. And in the South Bay, it's such a maze of highways and everybody's trying to get to a different <laughs> spot. Like there's no like just right. everyone's trying to like go, to go from the suburbs to downtown. Like there's none of that. There's just crisscrossing everywhere and every road is like totally full. It's so confusing. It's nuts. So you, yeah, as an East Bay person, like mm-hmm. having to go to San Jose for the keynote is oh, going to be a wow. pain, but it's fine. It's fine. It's fine. You are in a maze of twisty highways all like, um, yeah, when I was a kid, a friend of mine moved to Livermore and I went out and stayed with him at his like 30 acre farm 
And it's giant pig, like Livermore, right? Anybody they still have a lot of space out there. Well, they do, it's but beautiful. it's not not quite. That highway wasn't in Livermore at the time. Uh, all right, so iPad. Moving on from domestic uh, uh, husbandry, uh, animal husbandry. They'd probably husbandry. rather hear us talk about iPads, possibly and highways but, in the South Bay. Uh, out, that's right. They're just trying to give you some traffic advice, folks. Uh, we're the helicopter. Traffic on the nine right, with Glenn and Susie. <laughs> Le- I'll already be less Nesman. Less Nesman. The eye in the sky. iPad rumors. iPad rumors. Uh, st- information started to trickle out about what might be announced in March. Um, we expect there'll be uh, Apple these days seems to have what is it? We think someone charted it, but it looks like there's you know March and um, September October timeframe announcements. Sometimes there's two in the fall. Things happen still. I believe. I like this March September yeah, pattern with cadence. June for WWC. It feels very symmetrical. I think maybe because they did like September October a couple times. I think maybe they thought that was that too seems much. like a lot. Yeah, yeah and people I mean, don't buy. I mean, this much. separates it up. People uh, different cycles. So uh, the, the and news then if you want the is, East Coast tech guys to fly out for that, like that's a lot mm-hmm. to ask. But so we don't think we're going to get an iPhone SE update. We'll get 120 gigabyte iPhone SE is rumored. Um, but not improvements, right? Because it's oh, kind they of... Didn't re- they didn't say new chip? I don't think so. I think we're still... I think the, but you uh, know what? That would be fine. I think yeah, the, the storage is... is really all that it needs because it's... You know, no one's expecting it to be the fastest and it's pretty fast and it's got the good camera. It's got, you know, touch ID. It's got... It, it doesn't have... Oh, oh, you know what it really could use though is uh, 3D touch on the screen. It doesn't have that. Yeah, I'm wondering if at that size they're going to implement it because there might be an issue of getting the haptics to fit into the small space, but I don't know. I mean, that's a continuing engineering issue. It didn't bother me issue. in iOS 9, but then when iOS 10 made yeah. 3D touch like so much more useful, it kind of started to annoy me that it wasn't yeah. on there. But the storage is a bigger deal. Um yeah, that would I mean, be I nice. The SE is a solid product, and it, we, we were speculating when it was introduced because it was introduced in a spring or you know sort of border first second quarter. So uh, there's this tick and talk cycle, and we think that um, we thought that the SE might get limited to the talk years. So they came out with the first one. It's a small, it's a form factor we're familiar with. It had a lot of the up to date features besides 3D touch. It had the same camera assembly as the flagship phones. So it's possible that until you get to the talk year, that there's actually a substantive feature in the flagship phones. We won't see SE being updated until the uh, you know six months after that, which makes sense because it's not a the SE is it's not a niche phone. It probably you know from what reports are, it could be ten or fifteen percent of iPhone sales. We don't know the mix, right? But uh, it's I think it's off to the side enough that Apple can mm-hmm. afford to not be pushing updates as frequently to it. Yeah, definitely. I think it's going to fall somewhere in between the regular iPhones and like the iPod Touch, yeah, which gets an upgrade kind of when they have something, you know, to 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 upgrade, but it's not, you know, they're not pushing a new iPod Touch out every year. Yeah. Cuz they know people won't buy them until there's like really a reason to. Well, so I think this is the same one. Like it, I mean, like they need to upgrade it you know, because people will wear them out and stuff and um, the the storage is really a, a limit on it right now. But I, yeah, I just don't think it's going to get, because I, I think they're going to keep the form factor the same because that's the big selling point on that. So I don't even see them like changing the form factor every two years because they've got kind of such a winner with that, with that iPhone 4 design. Yeah. I don't I mean, it's really essentially, it's exactly, I shouldn't say it's exactly, it's almost exactly a design that now dates back Five, four years. Well, the iPhone 4 before that, but even this particular uh, version of the design is, I think, four years old now. It's at least three. It's four. So yeah. it's sort of a almost a six-year 
design, if I'm calculating it's the size it right. of the iPhone 5, right? Yeah. Yeah. And yeah. it's got the design features, I think, of the 5S yes. uh, with different chamfers. Yeah. It's a different, five, yeah. Different it's a, yeah that's style. right. Right. It's a 5S. Uh, but I think that's, I think it's great. I mean, people like stability. My wife loves hers. And there were tons of people who were waiting to upgrade until they got a smaller phone again. And, and apparently, based on sales, they did. Uh, and, and also shortages when they came out. Was I talked to a couple people on. who were like, oh, I really want it, but 64 isn't enough. So well, yeah, well, that, this may push people over the top. I mean, Apple's yeah. trying a lot. Of, I think we're now in like the tweaky aspect of where Apple's trying to goose people's reason to update. And that ties in with the rumor that there's going to be a product red iPhone 7 and I believe 7 Plus, right? There'll be two models. Um, uh, I, my I notes are seven. Uh, and the, that product red is where they donate. Um, is it all the profit or a significant percentage of the profit to um, to uh, uh, HIV AIDS research? Yes. Yeah. And, it's the seven and the seven plus is the rumor. So yeah, the product red phone. That's the. Uh, it's a global fund for HIV AIDS in Africa, in which licensees agree to donate fifty percent or at least fifty percent of the profits of product red licensed devices to that fund, um, which is a good thing. So. Uh, I prefer to donate stuff directly, but I understand also it's a way to provide sort of a higher value thing that companies can use to push people who are on the consumer side of the equation into also participating in this kind of, you know, you raise money in a lot of different ways. You find people in different places and at home and office and their, in their phone and um, anything that increases and doesn't like take money away from these causes is a good thing. So. Well, and they've done red iPods, but they've never done a red phone and they've never done a red iPad and they've never done a red computer. So I yeah. think this is cool that they're being like, okay, this is like our flagship phone and it's not new right now. It's six months old, but now it's red. I think a red phone would look really cool. I hope it's that like really glossy finish that mm -hmm. they're using like the jet black. I hope it's like a shiny jet black because like it's this beautiful cherry fire engine red is like the red that they use. So I don't know. I think that's going to look really awesome. Yeah, it could be. I think it's going to be uh, because there's very little differentiation among phones at this point. I mean, you've got the colors and the finishes and cases, but uh, a red phone could, would really stand out. And, you know, there's that there's that. Um, Oh, what's the word? It's a little performative too, but it's, you're saying, look, I actually spent extra to buy this thing in which money was donated to this uh, charity. So, you know, that's part of their I mean, status well, the, thing associated. When they do like a red I, app case, they, they've made cases before yes, and yeah. the red iPads, they don't, they don't charge more for them. Yeah. Oh, is that They're right? The I same. thought they, uh, yeah. I want to say, oh, I'm thinking, I may be thinking of the U2 special edition iPod. I'm not even kidding. I think they're. Oh, that I'm, was so long ago. Yeah, yes. I can't remember. They might have charged more for that. Red, uh, but that wasn't that wasn't an AIDS thing. That was just YouTube. no, no. It was just a commercial thing. YouTube, Apple, YouTube. Yeah, the product red, um, you know, iPod Nano and stuff like they cost the same. Interesting. Well, I wonder. I mean, it's going to be a little bit. Maybe it'll be in very in relatively limited supplies. I don't know. We'll see. They, uh, they could make it like a limited edition. The iPad. It's true. Oh yeah, yeah. They could, and uh, we'll see. I'm I'm really curious because it's um, the Apple has more products now than they used to. They'd reduce their SKUs and they're really in a bigger... Yeah, you can you know, get the iPod Touch in red. Oh, still. And so the this and actually the ties same. into the iPad announcements that are expected. We're, we're thinking there's going to be um, some new iPads and uh, the confusing part about it will be like, will everything in the iPad la line, all the new devices be iPad Pros and replace the previous kinds of iPads or what? Like, I think that's still to be understood, right? We don't know. 
Yeah. So the rumor about the iPad is that they're just going to be up to four sizes. So they would keep the 7.9 inch size, which is today known as the iPad mini, but they would make that like a very small iPad pro. Mm -hmm. And then they would keep the 9.7 inch iPad pro that we know about. Um, They would add a 10.5 inch iPad pro that would be the same footprint as the 9.7 inch, but it would dramatically (laughs) reduce the bezels, like maybe um, get rid of the home button and, and get rid of the that small, be- the, the, the bottom bezel, but it would have to, you know, still have the camera on the top. So I don't know how that would work. But, um, and then of course, uh, keep the big one around to the 12.9 inch big iPad yeah. pro. Um, so uh, yeah, the 10.5 10. inch one would not be an iPad pro or the rumor is well, it would. So what we don't That's really, I think it would be because like, it wouldn't make sense for it to be this like radical new design and like just be, you know, an iPad air. Like that doesn't make sense to me. And I think the rumor was that they're also going to, um, uh, uh, consolidate the feature set across the line. So like now you have the, the 9.7 inch iPhone iPad pro has true tone display, but the bigger one doesn't. Mm -hmm. So they would all have smart connector, true tone display, 12 megapixel rear facing camera. And that would be standard. Um, so the rumors that we hear about these things, like they usually end up being pretty accurate. If, if they're accurate, they're accurate as to like sizes and you know, how many products and when they're coming out. But the thing that we, they tend to get wrong is like the names. So, I mean, we can like speculate all day on like, like how are they going to differentiate this and how are they going to sell this? And like, that's, I think that's going to end up being the surprise. Like that's the thing that they always kind of, you know, trick us a little bit. Like we think we get like what the, you know, what the marketing message is going to be. And then it ends up being a little bit different. So uh, yeah, for, I mean, I think that consolidating the feature set across the lineup and making the size um, and therefore the price being like the big, you know, differentiating is might really help because mm-hmm. I talked to some non-techies right now who are pretty confused about which iPad to buy. Like there's the mini, they're still selling the air. And then there's like two iPad pro and like, you know, which, which one do you really need? Well, like, some of them are really out of date too. Yes. Yeah. Um, so, and, and what, what they're looking at when they're asking me about it is they're looking at price and, and storage capacity. So I think mm-hmm. that's where that's that should be like the only thing that Apple really makes you like think about. Like I feel like it's really smart to keep the rest of the features the same because um, then they can hit their different price points, um, but people won't be so confused about like which one do I get. Right. Well, I think that would be nice to have everything more aligned. I, it just it does bug me sometimes when they sell things that are like three or four year old technology. I mean, I don't know if they ever go far that far out. The Mac, the iPad mini is pretty, well, they, the iPad two, they sold forever <sighs> without it's, really upgrading it. Yeah. And I understand they wanted something at that price point, but it felt like a disservice when you're selling something that does not have a upgrade lifetime ahead of it. That's the bigger thing than, I mean, you're being honest about features and people can test it out and see how it works. But when you're saying, you know, we're going to sell this thing and then, Oh, by the way, next year, we're releasing an iOS that it can't take that feels very dead end. So I'd, I'd rather they keep pushing forward. I, I'm curious how uh, far back they'll go with future iOS updates too, because once they switch to 64-bit, I would expect that almost, or that everything with 64-bit um, in the iPad line will be updatable for some period of time. Um, and they all have much more powerful processors than the previous 32-bit series. Uh, so it may be that this is less of an issue, but it's still, you know, it's still a thing. 
Yeah, now that they know kind of that people keep these iPads for really, really long, maybe that'll be, you know, a factor when they're when they're um, programming, you know, updates of iOS is to to keep them working on older iPads because they know that people have tons of older iPads that are still getting lots of use. Yeah, it's, uh, yep, that's what we're talking about with the um, lawsuit about FaceTime and iOS 6 and so forth. And part of it had to do with patents and part had to do with, you know, the, the lawsuit was alleging that Apple was forcing updates. They were actually changing features to keep people from being able to use their devices effectively with newer technology. And I'm like, you know, I understand feeling like your device became obsolete because you can't do a thing, but there's also just the reality of um, the way the march of time of technology and things get better and sometimes stuff left behind. It's just, it's frustrating when a company sells you something that's almost immediately left behind. That is more of the problem than, than just the reality of the rapidity of the cycling of tech updates. Speaking of tech updates and the rapidity of which, um, there's some other iPhone rumors that we reported on coming out, uh, stuff coming out from inside the company and elsewhere about the next, the iPhone 8 or X or whatever it's going to be called, I think. This is all about the... Um, 7S, who knows? Whatever it'll be called. Facial, so uh, facial recognition squicks you out, it sounds like. Don't really well, want to... I mean, a little bit. Yeah. Yeah. Have you seen like the trend now with um, kids taking um, group pictures and they put like their hand in front of their face? Oh, that's great. No, I didn't know about that. Is it's that, like a thing like young, uh, young kids who are very concerned about their privacy and are way more savvy about online privacy than like people, you know, my age or even mm-hmm. a few years younger than me. Um, yeah, I just saw an article about um, kids and, and they had all these like group pictures where they were in like, you know, an all ages club or something and they were taking pictures, but they, they just wanted to, they would, they would put their, their hand kind of over their nose and mouth. Okay, the, <laughs> and to try to thwart facial recognition. It's okay. In the future, we'll just be able to reconstruct I that. I mean, they looked um, really silly, but... They'll reconstruct would. the entire face. I was watching uh, for the podcast Random Trek um, on the Incomparable Network, which every week discusses a uh, different random episode of Star Trek. Uh, Scott McNulty is the host, a former Macworld contributor. And uh, I was on to talk about an uh, episode of Star Trek Next Generation. I'm blanking out the title. But in it, they had this most amazing thing. It was so, it had so much foresight is there was some character in the background and there was only part of the face, really just a tiny part revealed. And they're like, let's use our uh, spaceship reconstruction system. And it, would and it filled in the entire face. And I was like, oh, wow. It was not implausible. Like they're extrapolating from the alien species type and standard features and blah, blah, blah. But I thought this was somebody thinking really a few decades ahead of the time. And, yeah. you know, in a couple of years, we'll probably have something. We already have facial reconstruction software where you can take a partial face image and it will, you know, it'll extrapolate. But um, so those kids, sorry, kids holding your hand up, obscuring some features only works or for it'll a few start, years. Or we'll start like identifying people by like the shape of their ears. Or their hands. Yeah, Don't hold your hand, hand face out or the camera resolution will pick like up your fingerprints. It'll be like the vein pattern like in, in, in your hand that it'll pick up, you know, like right through your skin. Susie, the cameras will be high enough resolution. If you hold your hand palm out, it'll get your fingerprints. And, you know, that's this. Uh, um, you know, there's already research. I was writing about this a couple of years ago about looking at the reflection in people's irises in photographs and seeing the photographer in them and other people in the room. So even with lower resolution cameras, the people in the room could be reconstructed and faces recognized with a fair degree of accuracy. And that was before the current generation of higher resolution smartphone cameras. So there's something to sleep not about. Amazing. Never sleep. So what about the iPhone 8 though? So Apple has purchased a couple of startups. They bought a uh, facial recognition startup called Real Face 
And then um, earlier, they acquired an infrared sensor startup called PrimeSense. Mm-hmm. So um, there's some rumors. Um, Ming-Chi Ko from KGI, who's usually pretty accurate, um, thinks that there's going to be more sensors and um, you could do like a 3D selfie or, you know, uh, 3D... 3D sensors in the, in the front-facing camera, mm-hmm. um, and then infrared as well. So, um, but the thing is, like these these technologies sound really interesting in a phone. They also sound like they could be interesting in a car. Who knows? Mm-hmm. There's car stuff to come. The um, what was the other one was the other bit of new information was uh, the thumbprint. oh that they don't think the cur- the screen will be curved anymore. I think that's it, right? Yeah. 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 So we're, yeah, cause we're getting little bits and pieces. I mean, it's still months away till the it's released. The OLED but rumors that we've been hearing the whole time were yeah. that they were switching to OLED so they could curve the screen oh, a little bit. Yeah. But I don't know. That's Sounds kind gimmicky. Of a, that's kind of a Samsung trick. I don't, I don't really yeah. see them chasing that rainbow. So the new rumor is that, yes, it'll be OLED because you get really nice screens that way, but it will yeah, not high, be. It'll be like, it'll use it for, you know, edge to edgeness and, and, and nice rich blacks and all the good stuff you get from OLED, but don't expect a curved yeah, screen. Better battery life, I recollect too. The, and, you know, here's it the thing. It's, prototypes fail to hold up to drop testing. Uh-oh. It's, um, oh, it's February, which means that uh, the iPhone 8 is done, more or less. They don't do major tooling. It takes them, um, I mean, this is the, prototyping stage as they go into production so whatever features yeah. are in it are almost certainly set now or maybe soon i forget i've seen before like people walking back the sequence of things to where the feature set has to be complete in order to actually make the thing and i think we're either it's now or it even might have been a few months ago that it was basically done and they're just working on the engineering to produce the product uh, the production lines yeah uh, and make sure everything tests out so um, we're not going to, we'll probably get more rumors because things will leak and people, you know, slip information out and case makers are always bribing. Yeah. Now we'll start seeing the, the leaked spy shots, the like supposedly exactly. leaked spy shots of stuff. Exactly. Um, well, I think we have run through this week's topics. I know quiet week and look at all the things to talk about, including traffic in the Bay area. A lot of good Apple stuff. A lot of good Apple stuff. So, um, folks, you know, you can find us at Macworld.com, Facebook.com slash Macworld. Email us, podcast at Macworld.com. Find us on Twitter at Macworld or SFSoos. That's S-F-S-O-O-Z like Zed or me. I tweet too much, often about politics these days, unfortunately, at G-L-E-N-N-F like Frank, where you can also see some of the work I'm doing in Letterpress. Um, my Kickstarter project ends in a few days, sold out the 100 uh, limited edition books Ooh. I'm going to make as part of the project and, and some keepsakes and other stuff. And uh, uh, this week I have three Letterpress classes. I'm taking a bunch of courses uh, to uh, regain skills lost and learn new stuff. And uh, last night uh, was a poetry broadsheets course. So we were reading poems and we're going to, going to design and create uh, unique posters of fam- from famous work. It's going to be beautiful. Hey, so that's, uh, I got my hands on, getting my hands dirty, even while we're talking. Susie, great to talk to you again. Yes, you too, as always. Thanks for being here. Thank you. And folks, thanks for thanks for listening. Reach out, tell us things. Tell us where I was wrong. I'll have to find, I, you know, I should have put a correction about whatever I said. <laughs> <laughs> whatever it was where I said, you're not trying hard enough, I'll have to, I'll have to find it. But uh, thanks for listening, and we'll be back next, oh, I should say this has been episode 547 of the Macworld Podcast, February 22nd, 2017. And we will be back next week.